Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CHAMPION and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, and I am still America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost, and I'm here, as always, with my dear friend, white boy Malcolm X. And remember, if you want to get hold of me, two ways to do that. I am on Twitter. Uh, my handle there is at Miller Frost Show, and you can also reach me at email. Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. And yes, I, I know we were kind of joking before the show got started today about, well, about two things. Number one, it's like leaf blower Sunday here in Massachusetts and all the good liberals have their gas powered leaf blowers out. So it's been nonstop leaf blowers for about, what, two, two and a half hours or so. We've been wanting to record the show. So if you hear a leaf blower in the background, it's one of my my nutso neighbors with their, their leaf blowers because they can't pull a rake out. But the second thing is I completely forgot when we were doing last week's podcast that it was Thanksgiving. So I forgot to wish everyone a Thanksgiving. I just logged off like normal. And then I was like, ah, crap, forgot it's Thanksgiving. So I hope everyone had a good holiday. You did your little, um, I don't want to be racist, but your Black Friday shopping. You got Cyber Monday tomorrow so you can do some more shopping, get some consumerism in and uh, all that fun stuff. And feel free to send me something (laughs) if you want. White Boy Malcolm X, before I forget, uh, you finished Kingdom haven't you okay yeah i um i actually just got done watching uh the crown um i tell you what folks if you've been watching it's a really good series uh i have to say the um the the production values for that show are amazing whatever you want to think about the story whether how fictitious it is or, or what have you but um, I tell you what, the uh, the fir- they must have switched showrunners or something because the first three seasons were like a, kind of a virtual hand job to the royal family. But this season, they're they're pulling no punches. They they've kind of beaten them up a little bit. So if you haven't watched it, I won't I won't give anything away. But just just to warn you, it's not the softballs of the last three seasons. But the the reason I asked you about that uh, white boy Malcolm X about Kingdom, which you you did like that, right? You've Well, I'm I'm only going to admit to watching like maybe two or three episodes, so I'm slowly kind of edging into it. It's all right. I just say you know, it was three seasons, but I saw it was on. It was actually on Twitter. It's all over Twitter. It's a stupid. There's something new on Netflix for you. Um, there's a documentary on Sean Mendez called Sean Mendez in Wonder. So this kid is like what I don't know, twenty years old, but they've done a, a Netflix 
documentary frame uh, about him. So White Boy Malcolm X, that's something you can watch. And, uh, you know, you and all the other gay guys and uh, and all the teenage girls can watch. Sean Mendez, this little kid who, I don't know, he's got like, like two or three hits, but... I'm just I'm just putting that out there. So if you want White Boy Malcolm X, you can watch Shawn Mendes in Wonder. And I can only imagine what that's like, but I don't really want to hear about it. And we have got a lot in the pile. I actually almost did a, a show on Thanksgiving or the day before. I was thinking Wednesday, Thursday, because I had so much. I have so much in the pile. But obviously I clearly I clearly did not. So we're just gonna go ahead and and, and jump right in. And no, I'm not reading this one. I told you to take this out of the pile. I'm not going to read this the first article in the show, and I'm not even going to bother reading it. And I just get it's just a Wired article. So if you're interested, it's a Wired article. You can go to Wired and read it. And here's the headline: Is this the gayest Yuletide yet? Streaming services are giving LGBTQ fans a tidy package of content this holiday season. So if you're interested, other than other than Sean Mendez in Wonder and Kingdom, uh, if you want some other LGBTQ shows apparently you can go to wherever netflix or what have you uh, hulu or amazon so i'm not even gonna read that story I'm, I'm not really interested this is from the washington blade headline bill would direct state department to review lavender scare firings two democratic congressmen on tuesday introduced a bill that would require the state department to review the cases of personnel who were fired during the so-called lavender scare and you all are probably like, what the hell is a lavender scare? When was that? When did we miss that? I'm getting to that, folks. Settle down. A press release, the Washington Blade obtained, that details the Lavender Offense Victim Exoneration Love Act of 2020, which U.S. Representatives David Cicilline, Democrat of Rhode Island, and Joaquin Castro, Democrat of Texas, introduced, notes upward of 1,000 people lost their jobs at the State Department during the 1950s and 1960s due to their sexual orientation. Well, I'm glad they are moving in a timely fashion on this. The measure would require the State Department to create an independent commission that would review the cases of personnel fired because of their sexual orientation and correct employment records. The press release says the bill would also require the State Department to report on its actions to ensure foreign countries recognize and accredit the spouses of same-sex diplomats serving overseas, as well as address the failure of those countries that do not, and require the establishment of an advancement board to address issues faced by LGBTQ diplomats and their families. Congress would also formally apologize for its role in the Lavender Scare. For too long, LGBTQ individuals were persecuted and wrongly terminated by our own government for no good reason, said Ciceline. It's long past time the government acknowledges horrific practice, apologize to those who were harmed, and commit full equality for all Americans. This bill inches us closer to that goal. Representative Ciceline, I think they're probably all dead by now. I mean, this was, what, 50 years ago, what, 1950s, 1960s? So we're literally looking at, no, I'm 70 years. Holy crap, 70, 60, 70 years this went on. I think those folks, if they're not dead, they're probably in a nursing home somewhere in their 80s or 90s. But if they're in a, in, if they're in a New York nursing home, then they're probably dead. We, that is safe to say. If they're in a New York nursing home, they're out of here everywhere else. There might be a couple of them still alive, but, you know, the virtue signaling representative Cicilline and Castro is, you know, a little bit too late. Should have thought of that 50 years ago. 
This is from, I'm, I'm already starting to get agitated with Malcolm X. I just, that story was kind of annoying because it, it is just virtue signaling. It's like, you know, 56 years ago, we had, we had all this discrimination, which I, I feel bad, right? I, I don't think it's right that that happened, but it's like, they couldn't, they couldn't have done this a while. They couldn't have done this in like in the, well, you couldn't have done it during the 80s because that evil Ronald Reagan, you know, he was in power. So, he, you know, he hated gay people and he wouldn't even say the word AIDS. So I, I, I understand that. But maybe in the 90s under, under Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton could have done it. Barack Obama could have done it, but didn't do it. They're finally getting around to it uh, with, uh, you know, creepy Uncle Joe's coming into power, apparently, allegedly, maybe, hopefully not. But you never know. But now they're finally getting around to it 60, 70 years later. And, and here's another story that's going to aggravate me. I'm just getting all my aggravation out right right, right in, in the beginning. And this is from the American Mathematical Society, and the headline is Queering Mathematics. And I think this is just a blog post, and I'm not reading the whole thing. I'll just give, I'll give you enough to get you, you annoyed, and then we'll move on to the next story. First, trans people are people who deserve to have their identities respected and validated and to live without fear. On this Trans Day of Remembrance... We mourn those who have died from transphobic violence. As a broader queer community, we remember that this violence disproportionately impacts trans women of color, a group who have led many of the efforts to secure human rights for all. And I'm sure you all are thinking, what the hell does this have to do with mathematics? Well, there's gay math too, folks, so we got to dig in a little bit more. I am proud to have participated, and, and this, folks, is by Brian Katz have participated with Ron Buckmeyer, Emily Ryle, Juliet Bruce, Anthony Bonato, and Robin Godrew in LGBTQ plus Math Day at the Fields Institute this week. An event like this contributes to the visibility of queer people and our accomplices, allies, and a major theme of our conversation was the fact that each of us, by virtue of existing, queered spaces by being in them, from the rugby pitch to the mathematics conferences. But for this post, I'd like to reflect on the ways that I saw our queer identities influencing our mathematics. So folks, two plus two sometimes equals four, but if you're gay, it might equal something different. And white boy Malcolm X, I'm assuming by being in this room, we are queering it up. (laughs) We're queering this whole house up, the whole neighborhood up. My own work is also inspired by my experiences as a queer person. I never fit into the implicit expectations for gender or sexuality as a young person, and that misalignment made me hyper-aware of the systems that guided and structured human activity in general. In mathematics, this awareness served me well. I spent my time asking why we did what we were doing and how we knew the things we claimed to know. More recently, I have come to see that I was lucky to happen into those habits in mathematics buttressed by my other privileges. I see how students, especially students of color, who ask similar kinds of critical questions are often driven out of mathematics when people assert that there is nothing to ask, that mathematics is just pure truth that they must accept. So apparently, folks, there is racism in mathematics departments across across college campuses. Hmm, who knew? And even those who aren't driven away are forced to experience mathematics as a form of authoritarianism. As a teacher educator, I worked on helping teachers to critique perhaps to queer mathematics, so they in turn can build classrooms that don't recreate this history of violence in the name of mathematics. In response to a comment I made on the panel, a participant offered the amalgamated word inquiry on which I'm going to keep reflecting. Queerness has been my entryway into understanding exclusion, but queering mathematics will not be enough, just as spaces dominated by cisgender gay men can sometimes be racist and toxic in other ways. 
And we know, folks, we know that to be true. And how do we know this? Well, we have a, we've had a couple stories over the last couple of weeks. So we had the those white queens in London were buying up all the prep, and prep is the uh, HIV preventative medication, and they were just buying it all, so discriminating against minorities by stealing all the prep. And folks, we also know that in Atlanta, those white queens in Atlanta, they were down there partying with the COVID, and they were not wearing their masks. They were piling into bars left and right and not wearing masks and they were being selfish as well and that was toxic and it was racist to do that and and then lastly we had an article about the gayborhood in philadelphia and what a what a pack of racists those white queens in in the gayborhood are so we know that white queens white boy malcolm x you and i gotta we gotta look out because they're coming for us next but all the other all those other white queens are a bunch of you racist you here, I'm just going to finish this up real quick. Hold on. One more sentence and we can, I can put this stupid thing away. The game historically called Cops and Robbers is an example of how dangerous ideas related to white supremacy and the police can subtly pervade even queer mathematic spaces. And and I got nothing on this. I I mean, that's crazy six ways to Sunday. So, I don't know, Brian Katz. I mean, you want to talk about... I mean, math is math, folks. It's just, you know, it is as it is. I mean, there's, there's no point in... And gayifying it or queerifying it. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And, and the violence of mathematics. Good God. It's all those white liberals. It, like San Francisco is the home of, of, of toxic, you know, white supremacy. It's all these do-gooder white liberals on college campuses now apparently are making the mathematics departments, you know, white white zones and minority-free zones. It's It's always the liberals causing these problems. They always like to blame it on us. They like, they like to project all that projection going on. The those conservatives—they're all racist. But apparently, it's all the good liberals. This is a Breitbart story. Pro-trans news org throw the turkey at Thanksgiving guests for gender wrongthink. And we, white boy Malcolm X, we really should have looked out for this a little bit more. I haven't seen any news stories about um, about you know throwing turkeys at, at Thanksgiving guests. But here's the article. A little bit late, but hey, better late than never. A left-wing writer on a website devoted to sex, abortion, parenthood, and power is encouraging readers to confront trans-exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs during Thanksgiving gatherings, including physical confrontation. And we've talked about TERFs once or twice on this podcast, about some of these these uh, feminists. They call them radical feminists, but feminists who are like, okay, what? how do you define a woman, right? What is a woman... You know, the transgender community wants to define a woman. Well, however you want to define it, make it up. Who cares? But, you know, the the feminists, the even the lesbians are like, you know, especially in the gay community, they're like, no, a woman is this, 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 this. And, and the transgender is not having that. So they call them TERFs. They like to name call. The article states, so what can you do if there's a TERF at your Thanksgiving table? We've got some ideas. Throw the turkey at them. If you do not have the upper body strength to throw the turkey, you can opt for something slightly easier to lift like a handful of mashed potatoes or some stuffing. A pie also works and offers an added comedic effect. You bear no obligation to sit quietly and politely as someone spews hatred simply because it's the holidays and you're supposed to get along with family, a caption in the article says. And here's a little more. At Rewire News Group, we hope you're able to safely enjoy the holiday away from toxic relatives. But we also know that might not be possible. Toxic relatives come in many forms. The Trump supporter, the devil's advocate, the COVID-19 denier. There's also the TERF, the trans-exclusionary radical feminist. You notice who's not on the list? The angry transgender radical. 
They're not on the list of toxic relatives. Apparently they're not. TERFs are transphobes who wrongly believe transgender women are not women, and they think feminists shouldn't include trans women in their advocacy. But the reality is that trans women are women, and you cannot separate feminism from advocacy for trans rights. Feminism that does not include trans people is just bigotry, dressed up to look like something else. Man, man, they're going after the feminists. Sometimes turfiness is loud and obnoxious in its bigotry, tweeting away about how trans women are dangerous and letting them privately pee in a stall next to a cis woman is akin to letting Ted Bundy into a woman's locker room. Truly unhinged stuff. You'll often find TERFs on Twitter yelling about young people's genitals or some other completely invasive and inappropriate thing that would have banished them from Earth if it was all about cis young people. And here, we'll just finish this up. It should be noted that the TERF term is widely regarded as a slur by transgender advocates who claim women are trying to preserve women's rights in private spaces from the men who claim to be transgender. I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast when people come out as transgender or announce that they're transgender. They go in and they have their sense of humor surgically removed. And they are, can be some of the nastiest people out there. And it's perfectly all right for them to name call and call a, a, a feminist or a woman who questions whether a transgender woman is a woman. They can call them a turf all they want. But I'll tell you what, you call them a tranny, you're going to be charged with a hate crime. <laughs> In in most states, you're, they're going to nail you to the wall. They're going to they're going to go after you until you lose your job, uh, and and your life is destroyed if you call them a tranny. But they can call names all they want. They can go after people all they want, and all's fair game. They're like a bunch of like eight year olds, spoiled eight year old brats. Every time they don't get their way, they go running and crying. But they can do what they want to do. And this is why no one else in the LGBTQ plus community likes them because they're just humorless nasty little bitches <laughs> speaking of which speaking of humorless nasty transgenders this is from the hill actor john cleese was met with swift backlash on social media after he tweeted sunday he is not that interested in issues regarding transgender people given other problems facing the world i'm afraid i'm not that interested in trans folks cleese tweeted after one of his followers asked his thoughts on jk rowling's comments attacking the transgender community i just hope they are happy and that people treat them kindly the monty python star pivoted to other issues right now i'm more focused on threats to democracy in america the rampant corruption in the uk the appalling british press the revelations about police brutality now White Boy Malcolm X. I just want to, before we continue farther on this article, I just want to make sure. So John Cleese is sitting there minding his own business on Twitter, and someone asked him about J.K. Rowling's comments, and what did he say? He's not that interested in talking about it. He hopes they're happy. He hopes people treat them kindly, but he's more interested in things like democracy in America, rampant corruption, blah, blah, blah. Correct? So I, I heard nothing in there that was negative. <laughs> well, well, yes, he didn't put transgender rights first, right? He should have put them first, and I think that's what the issue is here. But he didn't say anything overtly negative. He did not call for violence against transgender or call them... He did not call them names like the transgender community calls feminists. He doesn't. He didn't call them a tranny or anything like that. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. So here it is. Cleese received hundreds of replies to his tweet with users accusing him of insensitivity. And this is one of those... Uh, this is from Jonathan Van Ness, and he's just... I think he's on one of these gay shows... One of these designers, just, I don't know who this this little queen is. I, I know the name, I just I couldn't tell you what he did. 
Try being a trans, non-binary, or gender non-conforming person, especially black and brown ones, alone in a rural town or anywhere in the world. The at J.K. Rowling and at John Cleese of the world could never. So cruel to constantly punch down on a marginalized group of people. Jonathan, girlfriend. Jesus Christmas. John Cleese said absolutely nothing negative about them. He did not punch down about anything. The only thing he didn't do was make say, you know, transgender rights are the the only issue facing the world today. Everything else is just a sideshow. It's all about transgender rights. People are like, what about climate change? No, no, transgender rights. What about what about Trump and he's trying to steal the election? No, transgender rights. Oh, you know. So and of course they continue on. Rowling was hit with a similar backlash in June after she questioned the transgender community for erasing the concept of sex. And you know what she said? This is interesting. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. JK, yes it is. Yes it is. Speaking of angry, humorless transgenders, there's a lot of that in here today, White Boy Malcolm X. It's they were they've been in they've been uh, on vacation the last couple of weeks, but they're like they woke up with their grumpy pants on and they've just been pummeling everyone. And this is from IndieWire. Star Wars fans urge Mandalorian to hashtag fire Gina Carino after controversial tweets. And we've talked about her before because they got after her another time because I guess everyone on I don't know was it Twitter or somewhere LinkedIn something where they were having everyone had to put the pronouns. Every, because that's a way of showing solidarity with the non-binary community. And so she was a little cheeky about it. She didn't say anything nasty. She just put her pronouns were beep, bop, boop. I think that's what it was. But it's kind of funny. I thought it was hilarious. But they got down on her. They wanted to have her fired off of that show because they her pronouns were beep, bop, boop. <laughs> and they lecture us about being intolerant. Jesus. Here we go. The Mandalorian star Gina Carano has stirred both pushback and support from Star Wars and Disney fans alike on social media after posting a number of controversial tweets, including about mask wearing and hypothetical voter fraud. The actress, who plays Cara Dune on the Disney Plus series, was also previously accused of mocking trans pronouns on social media. She wasn't mocking them, she was just being cheeky about beep bop boop. But that's what they call mocking. Mocking the pronouns, heaven forbid. The Fire Gina Carano hashtag began picking up steam last week, but has continued to build momentum after Disney Plus dropped the Chapter 12 episode of The Mandalorian on Friday, in which Carano stars. But at the same time, Stan with Gina Carano has also begun trending on Twitter in response from fans who feel the plea to cast Carano out of the show is another example of censorship and cancel culture gone too far. No. As Vanity Fair points out, Carano tangled with fans over the summer, accusing her of being silent during the surge of Black Lives Matter movement and highlighted tweets Carano like that disparaged the protests. So there you go, folks. There is another. I think that, that is my last example for now, because God knows there are going to be plenty more next week, but of the uh, the ever so, the so tolerant and accepting transgender community going after poor what do they go they go after gina carano for using beep bop boop they went after john cleese for not putting the transgender community first and then they're going after 
feminist women as TERF. And that's just this week. Okay, I'm done with that. So I'm ending the gay section early, White Bone Malcolm X. I'm sorry. Well, the good news when we're done with the gay stuff is we get to go right to the race stuff, which is just as interesting. And our friends, our friends, our peaceful protesting friends of Antifa, they're, they're in the news again, surprisingly. F Thanksgiving, Portland Antifa attack, BLM supporting grocery war memorial. An Antifa group in Portland, Oregon. And those folks, if you don't know, those are very, very hyper peaceful protesters. That's all they are. And I don't know what this is, must be. This must be lies and slander. Called for a Thanksgiving Eve attack on symbols and structures of colonialism and capitalism. The incited direct action led to the destruction of vandalism and a veterans war memorial in downtown businesses. PNY Youth Liberation Front, a group described as an Antifa group by independent journalist Andy Ngo, tweeted a call for a decentralized anti-colonial day of action on Thanksgiving Eve. The message began, F Thanksgiving, F Black Friday. And I think that's kind of racist. <laughs> because they put a capital B, and everyone knows capital B is black. And they put that, so they put F, oh man, they're in trouble. On Thanksgiving, the group tweeted a Portland report back showing a photo of a toppled and defaced veteran war memorial statue located in Lone Fir Cemetery. In addition to the war memorial, Antifa groups also attacked multiple businesses in Portland, including a BLM-supported supermarket. Antifa allegedly vandalized the business despite its messages of support for social justice causes. The groups went on to attack multiple financial institutions, including Chase, Wells Fargo, and Umqua Bank. And we really don't care about them because they're just, you know, they're banks and they steal money from the poor. Portland Police Bureau officials report the arrest of three people in connection to the attacks on the businesses. Those felony arrests include 24-year-old Chester Hester, 10 counts of criminal mischief, 1. 38-year-old Nicole Noriega, 10 counts of criminal mischief, 1. And 23-year-old Bailey Willock, 10 counts of criminal mischief. Well, look at these three. Oh, look at these classy folks. Chester Hester and two dopey white chicks. You know what this is, White Boy Malcolm X? Now that I think about this, because what did the Scarecrow on Crystal Meth mention the last couple of weeks? And if you don't know who the Scarecrow on Crystal Meth is, folks, you got to listen to my podcast <laughs> because it's explained there. But she was talking about, remember when she was coming back from the lift? So anyways, this is Portland City Council member who doesn't want anyone calling 911, but she called 911 because she had a bad lift experience. But she said in, in her own defense that the reason she had to call 911 was because of all the white supremacists lurking around Portland. Portland is apparently, folks, infested with white supremacists. So I'm thinking, white boy Malcolm X, that, that this article, they're talking about Antifa, but what they really mean is all these white supremacists. Because who would attack a BLM-supporting grocery market but white supremacists? Those, I feel bad for those folks in, in Antifa. I mean, they just, they're just out there peacefully protesting, and they just keep getting kicked and blame for all the things that the white supremacists do. Uh-oh. White boy Malcolm X. You know, those evil white supremacists have done such damage to Antifa's reputation. And they are, folks, they are peaceful protesters. But look, listen, this is a Daily Wire article. And here's the headline. This is really upsetting. Portland's black BLM activists say they're done with white Antifa want separation. Oregon Public Broadcasting reports Wednesday that black members of Portland's Black Lives Matter movement, what, what about two of them? Every, everyone knows that Black Lives Matter is a bunch of white, hysterical millennial women. What? Well, yes, except in Pittsburgh. 
We did have proof, folks, that there were actually black people in the Black Lives Matter protests in Pittsburgh, but mostly, if you look at the pictures in New York, it's just a bunch of hysterical white millennial women running around. Like, uh, what was that 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 ginger chick and her, her dopey friends? They're all a bunch of white kids running around trashing the place. But apparently, folks, in Portland now, we have some black people in Black Lives Matter there as well. Anyway, picking back up, I'll just start that back over again. Oregon's Public Broadcasting reports Wednesday that Apparently, the, there are black members of Portland's Black Lives Matter movement are tired of their anti-racism demonstrations being hijacked by the mostly white Antifa anarchists and are working to separate the two movements as protests continue. So apparently, BLM and Antifa are getting a divorce. Tensions between black activists fighting about racial justice and anti-establishment protesters have bubbled beneath the surface for months, the outlet says, noting that many of the anti-racist protests now in their six months began as peaceful demonstrations. <coughs> excuse me, folks. Excuse me. I had to clear my throat there. But became violent after nightfall when anarchist groups who organized on social media appeared. So BLM is blaming Antifa and throwing them right under the bus, which is really going to hurt the media narrative because the media is telling us it's the white supremacists that are out there causing trouble. The scarecrow on crystal meth is telling us the same thing. And here Black Lives Matter is saying, uh, it might be Antifa. So you folks, you liberals, you got to get on the same page here because your messaging kind of sucks right now. Sorry. The riots, which made national headlines, tainted the Black Lives Matter protest, activists said, and confused commentators who often assumed the violence developed from the demonstration. Instead, they said the unrest was wholly separate, and now they want the groups to disentangle. So I'm not quite sure what that means. If they are wholly separate, I don't know why they need to disentangle, but apparently they do. This week marks the six months since Floyd's death, and protests continue in Portland, OPB reports. But now, activists in the city are divided as to whether they are still fighting in a racial justice movement centered on black lives, or if an unfocused anti-establishment fight against capitalism and state power has usurped the initial cause that brought thousands of Portlanders into the streets. BLM activists also contend that the largely white Antifa group is... Privileged, noting that many of those arrested during the protest are middle or upper class, are quickly free on bail, and often escape prosecution. Luxuries not often afforded to people of color who tangle with the same justice system. Most black people in our community don't feel like they have the privilege to go straight to the police and yell in their face when activists told OPB. If you're privileged, if you're white, you care less about whether or not a protest is going to result in reforms that might save even just one life. And you have the ability to be a purist in a way that black and brown communities really do not. Do you want more? (laughs) Listen to this white boy, Malcolm X. I love it when they go after each other. The privilege gap becomes an even bigger problem, BLM activists say, when the anarchists push back against peaceful protesters who suggest less violent tactics might be more effective at achieving protest goals. In Portland, especially the notorious Antifa-aligned Pacific Northwest Youth Liberation Front, excoriated more peaceful groups for pacifying the nightly Justice Center action, calling members of BLM police collaborators. Damn, the breakup does go deeper. Antifa-aligned groups tried to cancel social justice organizers, dredging up old tweets, accusing key BLM protest leaders of sexism and being disrespectful to women. Man, oh man. I don't even know where to begin with that one. I mean, it's it's kind of funny to watch. I hope this keeps up, folks. I really hope this keeps up. Anyway, that is that. Antifa. White Antifa. 
and black, the actual black people in Portland's Black Lives Matter movement are at each other's throats. Good. Andy Samberg tells Academy members opposed to diversity quotas to F off. Brooklyn Nine-Nine star Andy Samberg says that those who are concerned or outright opposed to new diversity standards and quota system recently imposed by the Academy Awards can F off. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast because I call them queens with clipboards. And it's going to be a great you know, jobs boom for them because they get to go around now and, and make sure that all the boxes, the correct boxes are checked so you can you can get your Academy Awards quotas in that you can be considered for to get that stupid award, your little uh, Oscar statue. And so the, the queens are going to go around and like ask all the cast and crew, uh, you know, the, make sure they check the boxes. What's your race? What's your race? Is, is there a little Native American in there? What's your name? Are you Elizabeth Warren? We can check off a little Native American. We'll do that part. We'll check that part. Are you, are you Latinx? Are you, are you gay? Are you bisexual? Are, are, are you pansexual? That's, that's a fancy way of saying bisexual. Are you questioning? Everyone's questioning. I'm just going to check questioning. I don't care. You're just, you're questioning. So, and then just going to have all these, all these diversity. They're going to be able to show the Academy. Here's our movie and here's our, you know, here's our, here's our paperwork. Look, look at all these boxes that we checked. It's a, it's the gayest, most colorful cast ever. Um, but, but Andy is now telling people that if you don't like it, go F off. The parameters, if you look at them closely, you can have the whitest cast in the history of cinema and still very easily meet them by doing just a few key roles behind the camera, the Saturday Night Live alum said in appearance on Variety's award circuit podcast. People who have problems with it can F off. The 42-year-old added that actors and filmmakers should not primarily be concerned with winning awards, but instead making the most of working to create high art. Really? Andy? They are not there. Well, they are there to win awards, but they're also there to make a lot of money. So that's all they care about is winning awards and making money. High art my ass. I believe in comedy and I believe it can be, and it is a high form of art. You don't make comedy to get nominated for stuff, he said. I don't do this to get nominated for stuff, and I feel good when I do it. Well, quite frankly, you're not that good. You're never going to get nominated anyway. You either kill it and you're Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine or Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting or your other examples. As explained by Breitbart back in September, under the new diversity standards, scheduled to take effect in 2024, filmmakers must meet various quotas on the presence of women, LGBT, the disabled, or ethnic minorities in order to qualify for nomination. There you go. Queens with clipboards are coming coming to a movie set near you. And maybe that should have been in the gay section. I don't know, but I put it in the race the race pile wipe on Malcolm X. You can get over it. This is from The Hollywood Reporter. This is an interesting story. I'm not going to read a whole lot of it. It's a long article, but Universal faces racism lawsuit as notorious movie poster resurfaces. If there exists a poster challenge for racism in Hollywood, it might very well be the marketing for Couples Retreat. The 2009 comedy had an answer, which I, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Crap, that's been 11 years ago. The 2009 comedy had an ensemble cast of top comedy actors, but when it came time to putting together the names and faces of the talent for the movie poster, the black actors were excised from the international edition. Just what did this decision say about Hollywood's view of moviegoers around the world? And what did that say about Universal Pictures, which distributed the motion picture? So in other words, international moviegoers are racist. Although many ascribe the notorious act of racism to the entertainment industry's pre-woke days, things haven't gotten better, says Couples Retreat star Faison Love 
who on Wednesday filed a fresh lawsuit against Universal over what occurred. So he's got nothing but time on his hands. In targeting Universal, Love takes on a studio which has prided itself on advances on the diversity front while being committed to identifying opportunities and training for minorities. In 2017, the Comcast subsidiary established a mentoring and networking initiative called Global Talent Development and Inclusion, and the studio has one of the better rosters of inclusive franchises, such as Fast and Furious, and Ride Along, as well as one-offs such as Get Out and Straight Outta Compton. Nevertheless, Universal still faces a reckoning over the 2009 couples retreat saga, which certainly isn't the only time that Hollywood faced uncomfortable questions about why black actors were admitted from the marketing plan. See, for example, the fuss over the absence of John Boyega for the Chinese movie poster for Star Wars The Force Awakens. And we had that on this podcast, not about John Boyega not being on the movie poster, which I didn't know about, but he was complaining about not having a nuanced character arc for his his stupid stormtrooper or ex-stormtrooper role. And he, he so my point to him was he was just whining and complaining about how all the white actors <laughs> named Skywalker in a movie called, you know, the, the Return of Skywalker, what have you, um, they had nuanced c- character arcs and he didn't. He was just some, be- and I'm like, why would you take a, a supporting character role, which they're not there so you can see their story. They're there to support the main actors. And he took a secondary role and he's complaining about being, <laughs> a secondary role and how he didn't get any media time and he didn't get any love and John was not happy about that. So they brought him back up. I guess now they discriminated against him again. According to Love's new lawsuit, he was aghast when he first discovered the differences between the domestic movie poster and the international one for Couples Retreat. So why is the Couples Retreat movie poster coming up now in court? The answer is arguably as important. Yes, I'm actually quite quite curious. Back in 2009, UK newspapers noted the airbrushing and it ignited a small fury online. At the time, a Universal spokesperson said the poster had been changed to simplify it and that the studio regretted the offense caused and was abandoning plans to use the revised poster going forward. That wasn't the entire story, alleges Love. Rather than react with adversity, Mr. Love opted for engagement and equanimity. He reached out to Universal Studios and endeavored to engage constructively. His lawsuit continues. Universal Studios, attempting to assuage Mr. Love and prevent his filing suit, promised both the immediate secession of the racist international poster and prompt recompense to Mr. Love in the form of lucrative career-making film roles. Universal Studios lied. So, in other words, what's this guy's name again? Faison Love. He just wants to get paid. He's not mad about being cut out of the damn international movie poster. He doesn't care about that. He wants to get paid. Universal promised him a lucrative career-making film roles, and he didn't get them, probably because he's not that great of an actor. That's why they took his ass off the poster. But he wants to get paid. He's another fake social justice warrior. Speaking of fake of fake social justice warriors, listen to this headline, and this is from the Washington Free Beacon. Anti-racism icon Robin D'Angelo paid more than black women for same job. D'Angelo rakes in 70% more for University of Wisconsin speaking gig. And if you don't know who Robin D'Angelo is, folks, she wrote my favorite book, White Fragility. <laughs> that stupid book that calls white people racist. And no matter what, who you are as a white person, no matter how woke you are, you are still, at your core, a racist. And that is the basis of White Fragility. That's her entire book, Racist, Racist, Racist. 
The prominent diversity consultant Robin D'Angelo raked in $12,750 for a speaking gig last month at the University of Wisconsin, 70% more than the other keynote speaker, black female author Austin Channing Brown. The University of Wisconsin-Madison's Division of Diversity, Equity, and Educational Achievement paid Channing Brown just $7,500 for her keynote address at its annual diversity forum, Receipts Obtained by the Washington Free Beacon Show. So apparently, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, their Division of Diversity, Equity, and Educational Achievement is not so big on the equity front. D'Angelo has called such inequitable treatment the racist heart of capitalism, claiming that capitalism is dependent on inequality. If the model is profit over everything else, you're not going to look at your policies to see what is most racially equitable. As she writes in her bestseller, White Fragility, she believes racism helps white people and hinders non-white people at every step of the employment process. Whiteness has psychological advantages that translate into material returns. Well, honey, if anyone knows, it's you. D'Angelo's fee from the UW-Madison event was smaller than many payments this year. She now notes in her personal accountability statement that her average fee for an event through August of 2020 was $14,000. Another recent appearance at the University of Connecticut would have paid $20,000 but was canceled, a UConn spokesperson told the Free Beacon. White boy Malcolm X, can you imagine being lectured about being a racist by this dopey woman and paying for the privilege. So here's a check, Robin D'Angelo, for 20 grand to, to whip all the white people in the audience. You're racist, you're racist, you're racist. And all the, all the minority people are like, yeah, get him, get him, get him, Robin. But apparently Robin is using her white privilege to get paid more than Austin Channing Brown. So I guess if she's walking around saying that all white people are racist, like, you know, she knows, she knows what's going on. She's at the head of that line. This, this is actually a very sad story. This is out of Canada. It's from the Washington Examiner. Listen to this. This is, this is very upsetting. Penguin Random House Canada staff reportedly cry after news of Jordan Peterson book. And you're like, what the hell? What the hell's going on with that? Let's dig in. Employees at Penguin Random House Canada were reportedly besieged by their emotions after finding out the company will publish Dr. Jordan Peterson's book, Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life, in March 2021. Peterson's book, which follows up where his bestseller, 12 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos left off, caused consternation at the publisher, with several employees becoming emotionally overwhelmed at the prospect of the company releasing it, according to four staff members. So yes, apparently in Canada, at the Penguin Random House, a bunch of hysterical millennials just crying because they're not getting their way on something. Several employees cried at the meeting, discussing how Peterson's views have negatively impacted their lives. Vice's Manisha Christian, who first reported the story, tweeted on Tuesday. One told me he is an icon of hate speech and transphobia and the fact that he's an icon of white supremacy. I'm not proud to work for a company that publishes him. Then quit, you big baby. Jesus. The employees gathered for what was described as an emotional town hall on Monday, during which time staff members were allegedly crying in the meeting about how Jordan Peterson had affected their lives. You would think, why, because I have actually, folks, I have actually read Dr. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, an antidote to chaos. And you would think from these whiny millennial 
I, probably a bunch of ch- stupid chicks and queens who are crying about his transphobia and his white supremacy and his hate speech. You would think, folks, that his 12 rules for life were like, you know, support cops shooting black people or, you know, kick transgenders whenever they cross your path, things like that. But I actually, I dug it up because I read the book and I thought, I liked it. I, I found some very useful hints. So here are some of his, I'm not going to read all 12 of them, but here are some of his transphobic, racist, white supremacist rules for life that you have to, uh, you should abide by. Are you ready for this? Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Make friends with people who want the best for you. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who someone else is today. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. <laughs> Set your house and that's what probably what they don't like. They they do not like rule number 5 right there. Set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. Those are the first 8. And that folks is transphobic white supremacist hate speech. <laughs> According to these Dopey, stupid liberals in Canada. Jesus Christmas. These kids these days, they don't get... They don't get their way. They just crap their pants and have a fit. Oh, yes! Finally, white boy Malcolm X, we are through the horrible gay stories with the mean transgenders who are not getting their way and calling people names. And we got through all the racist stories. And now we are, folks, we are finally to the fun stuff. What you've all been waiting for... I came here to laugh, Miller. What are you doing to us? So let's kick this off with a New York Post article. Australian village named Effing to change name after unwanted tourist attraction. Australian village named Effing. Yes, white boy Malcolm X, there is a village in Australia named Effing to change name after unwanted tourist attention. I bet. The residents of a tiny Australian village named Effing have voted to change its name after enduring unwanted attention from English-speaking tourists. Come next year, the village of 100 residents near the German border will be named Fucking. (laughs) So they took out the CK, folks, and they just added 2G. So Fugging will be the name of this tiny Austrian village that is currently named Effing. I can confirm that the village is being renamed Andrea Holzner, the mayor of Tarsdorf, the municipality where the village is located, told a regional daily newspaper. I really don't want to say anything more. I, I, bet, I bet she doesn't. People are like, what's the name of the town again? She's like, effing. Let's get out of your system now. We've had enough media frenzy about this in the past, she said. English-speaking tourists have increasingly flocked to effing for a photo op next to an entrance side bearing the village's name. White boy Malcolm X, if they're not changing this till till next year we gotta get out there now we gotta take our picture with this before it goes we gotta i don't care we'll risk covid we'll risk getting the covid we're gonna get on the plane and we're gonna go to effing in austria to get our picture by that um by that sign some have even captured themselves striking lewd poses in front of the marker for social media those must be the american tourists signposts have also reportedly been stolen prompting authorities to install new ones with concrete to deter thefts a map from 1825 bore the village name of effing but some experts believe the name dates back to the 11th century. So yes, folks, even in the 11th century, there was a tiny village called Effing Austria. Okay, white boy Malcolm X, this story is for you, and it does not involve a teacher banging a high school student, but <laughs> what do you think? I know. I know, he is. He is. 
Here's the headline, folks. Instagram's hottest doctor called out for parting maskless on boat. A Manhattan-based celebrity physician, whatever the hell that is, known as Instagram's hottest doctor, was caught parting maskless on a boat in Miami after months of stressing the importance of face coverings to his millions of followers, according to a report on Thursday. And folks, if you want to get in trouble, you just let the Karen in your local neighborhood see you without a mask on because you are dead in the water. Mikhail Varshavsky, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, a.k.a. Dr. Mike, was photographed rubbing elbows with a group of bikini-clad women in Sunset Harbor during his 31st birthday bash. So, white boy Malcolm X, he is straight too bad. Despite also urging the public to social distance during the pandemic, the Daily Mail reported, images showing the shirtless doc, yes they do, giving one of the women a neck rub and posing without a mask next to a bottle of champagne, sparking outrage from fans who called him a hypocrite, the outlet reported. Since the spring, Varshavsky, who was named Sexiest Doctor Alive by People Magazine in 2015, not that anyone reads People Magazine to know that, has pleaded with the public to mask up on social media and TV. Varshavsky works as a primary care physician in Chatham, New Jersey. He's a New Jersey physician, but he's also a celebrity physician, and flew from New York City to Miami for the birthday bash on November 12th, the outlet reported. He has roughly, listen to this white boy Malcolm X, 6.5 million YouTube subscribers. Are you one of them? <laughs> Liar. 3.9 million followers on Instagram and 2.9 million on Facebook, which is probably mostly queens. So there you go. The uh, Instagram's hottest doctor, white boy Malcolm X. I mean, you want to, here, you want one more look? There you go. Get a good look in. I'm sure you're already subscribing right now to his Instagram feed, but there you go. You can look at the sexy doctor there. Another dopey millennial. Speaking of shirtless men, this is a Daily Caller story. Shirtless man caught on video throwing rock at Jesus statue, lighting church property on fire. I guess I know who's going to hell. Police are investigating after a shirtless man was caught on video throwing a rock at a statue of Jesus and then setting a fire at a Catholic church in Florida. Numerous report sources report. Are we already on the Are we already on the Florida stories, White Boy Malcolm X? No, no, we have more Florida stories. I was like, oh, sometimes we just batch them up. There's so many of them, but this is just a random Florida story about a shirtless man beating up a Jesus statue. The only in Florida, folks. The man appears at St. Bernard Catholic Church in Sunrise early Sunday, according to surveillance video, and is holding a large object. He throws the object at the statue of Jesus, knocking it down. Minutes later, the man pours an accelerant on the ground where the statue stood and sets it on fire. Damn! The man burned a Jesus statue. You are definitely going to hell. Three of the church's statues were destroyed. A Virgin Mary statue and a St. Francis statue were both beheaded, and the hands were broken off the statue of Jesus, according to Local 10. The statues were thrown in a sewer drain. The damages amount to roughly $6,000. Those are some cheap statues. <laughs> Father Jorge Rodriguez said the church was praying for the man responsible for the destruction and would like to tell him that we love him. The church is asking police to investigate the incident as a possible hate crime. Well, they... They're not praying hard enough. <laughs> want to charge him with a hate crime. They they love him, but they want to put him in jail for a hate crime. Don't worry about jail. He's got a lot more to answer to after he leaves this earth. This, folks, is from the UK Independent. 
This is going to be an interesting one by Michael Max. Listen to this. Scotland posed to become first country to make period products free. Scotland will not be the last country to make period poverty history, but it now has a chance to be the first. And I have no idea what period poverty is, but we're going to delve in. Let's see if they explain it to us. Scotland would become the first country in the world to make period products free if new legislation is voted through on Tuesday. And that is coming up, White Boy Malcolm X. Free tampons and whatever else they think they're going to give away. Holyrood will vote on the groundbreaking periods product bill, which intends to introduce a legal right of free access to items such as tampons and sanitary pads in public buildings. So I guess period poverty is having to pay for tampons and sanitary pads. Scottish Labour MSP Monica Lennon has campaigned for the world-leading legislation to introduce free universal access to sanitary products. Her member's bill has reached the final stage of becoming law with Scottish government support, despite initial opposition and ministers arguing the cost could greatly exceed the estimated £9.7 million a year. Speaking ahead of the vote, Ms. Lennon said, We are in the final miles of a long journey and I am heartened by the support of the period's products bill. I am optimistic that we will complete the groundbreaking journey today. This law will ensure no one has to go without essential period products because we don't want period poverty anywhere, folks. She added, thanks to a bold grassroots campaign and cross-party support, Scotland has already taken great strides to improve access to period products. Legislation is a world-leading opportunity to secure period dignity for all women, girls, and people who menstruate. And if you're like, well, who the hell are people who menstruate? Those are transgender men. So folks, Scotland is about to get rid of period poverty, and they are also about embracing period dignity. And I bet you that Monica Lennon, the first time this has passed, she's going to run into the public bathroom and steal all the tampons. <laughs> Be those, like those white queens stealing all the prep in London. All those white women, those middle-class white women are going to go in and steal all the tampons. <laughs> They're going to take it all. And all the, they're going to, mark my words, folks. You mark my words. In six months after this passes, there's going to be some article that they have to double the double the uh, the amount they pay for this every year because people of color in Scotland, if there are <laughs> like the two or three people that live up in Scotland of color, that they're not able to find any tampons or sanitary pads for free in the public buildings. Okay, we're going back to Florida. <laughs> I didn't organize these stories very good, I guess. like This sucks because now I'm like... Florida to Scotland, and now I'm back to Florida again. Cops, and this is from the Sunport Charlotte. Cops, machete attack leads to arrest after two-county chase. And it ain't Florida if there ain't a two-county chase. A machete attack in a South Venice home, followed by a long police chase into Charlotte County, led to an arrest on an attempted murder charge, according to reports released Monday. The suspect, identified as 27-year-old Alana Gibson of Venice, reportedly crawled through the window of a co-worker's home and attacked her husband with a machete while he was sleeping, the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office reported. Gibson, who also, listen to this folks, who also had an axe, a compound bow, and arrows in her pickup. So she was going to war or something. (laughs) Jesus, that woman was armed admitted to planning to kill the husband and convince the wife to run away with her arrest report show. Well, this should be a gay story. So I'm sorry, folks. I could have had a, a kind of a humorous gay story. So this woman, Alana Gibson, let me just make sure I got this right, White Boy Malcolm X. So 27-year-old Alana Gibson took a, a machete, an axe, 
and a compound bow and arrow. She got in her pickup truck in Florida, of course. She drives over to a co-worker's house, breaks in, and tries to kill the husband. So I guess the distraught wife would run away from her and become a lesbian. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. The husband is okay. The husband suffered lacerations and was taken to a hospital where he's in stable condition Monday. Dispatchers sent deputies to a home on Burke Road in South Venice just after midnight Sunday for a multiple reports of a residential burglary. Deputies saw a white pickup truck driving away and followed it. Meanwhile, other officers found a broken window and the victim inside with several lacerations to his body. According to witnesses, Gibson began to strangle the wife when she tried to intervene. So she's macheting the husband. She's got one hand on the machete. She's got the other hand on the wife's neck. When other residents interrupted the attack, Gibson fled from the scene and led deputies on a vehicle pursuit into Charlotte County, where she was eventually apprehended. Jesus. And of course, since it's a Florida story, here's the booking record. Gibson of 107 Stanford Road, Venice, and if you live near there, you better stay away, is charged with attempted murder, armed burglary of an occupied swelling battery, and fleeing to elude. Man, she, she was like, mm. she wanted that woman, white boy Malcolm X. She was like, I, I gotta get me some of that. When she gets the machete and the crossbow and what, what else, that else the hell does she have? An axe. Man. That's, that is nutty. I mean, we got some nutty stories, folks, but that is, that is, that is nutty. Here's another one. This, White Boy Malcolm X, this is for you. This is for you and me. People over 45 more likely to catch sexually transmitted infections than ever before, study says. A recent study conducted by the SHIFT Sexual Health Initiative found that people over 45 years old are at more risk of contracting sexually transmitted infections. The study conducted surveyed roughly 800 adults from England, Belgium, and the Netherlands. And I hope they didn't ask those queens stealing all the prep in London. Roughly 80% of the people interviewed for the survey were between the ages of 45 and 65, and roughly 58% of the people between the ages of 45 and 54 said they fell into the category of being socioeconomically disadvantaged. That's just a nice way of saying poor. Over 45s are at a higher risk of contracting STDs than ever before because of society's unwillingness to talk about middle-aged and older people having sex, a new report has found. Like, anyone wants to talk about old people having sex. So they need some sex dignity, I guess. What was the, 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 what was that period dignity? Now we can have sex dignity for the people 45 and older, which is you and I, White Bull Malcolm X, now that we are both in our 50s. Over 45s at most risk are generally those entering new relationships after a period of monogamy, often post-menopause, when pregnancy is no longer a consideration, but give little thoughts to STDs, said Dr. Ian Tidal, a senior lecturer from the University of Chichester who is in charge of leading the SHIFT project's evaluation. Given improvements in life expectancy, sexual health care needs to improve its intervention for older adults and vulnerable groups to provide a more utilized, knowledgeable, compassionate, and effective service. More than half of those who were tested in both groups reported that they have never been tested for having a sexually transmitted infection. You know what they should do, White Boy Malcolm X? They should get, um, what's her name? Uh, Monica Lennon for the Scottish Labor MSP. You know, she's handing out free tampons and everything else. They, sh they should hand out free condoms, too, while they're at it. If they're handing out the one, they should hand out the other. I mean, I guess the gay bars handing out free condoms is not quite enough. So people 45 and older are doing the nasty, doing the dirty, and they're catching <laughs> all the fun stuff. So they need some condoms, free tampons and free condoms. This is another sad story. This is probably as bad, if not worse, than the hysterical crying millennials in Canada. 
about that horrible racist white supremacist book that we talked about earlier. Listen to this headline, White Boy Malcolm X. Zoo of former Tiger King Joe Exotic vandalized with graffiti rotting meat. I wonder how the Tiger Queen is doing. I mean, last time, folks, we actually talked about the Tiger Queen um, about two months ago. There's a story, I guess he was claiming being raped in prison by the guards, and I'm sitting there going, as gay as I am, if he were the last man, <laughs> I would turn, I would screw Nancy Pelosi before I would touch the Tiger Queen, but ugh. I mean, not that that's a palpable choice anyway, but I wonder how he's doing. I hope he's doing okay. Poor Tiger Queen. Here's the article. Carol Baskin has some cleaning up to do. And if you don't know who Carol Baskin is, she's the, bis- <laughs> she's the bisexual. She's not a pansexual like that Maudie Lost chick from last week. She's not. And if you don't know what the difference between a bisexual and a pansexual is, bisexual is for, I guess, common trash. And if you're fancy, if you're one of the uh, frou-frou elite, then you're a you're a pansexual because pans. I mean, it's basically the same thing, but pansexual just sounds more snooty than than bisexual. But Carol Baskin said she thought, always could see herself as bisexual or lesbian or something like that. And I'm like, no, honey, the Tiger Queen is enough in the tribe. You are not coming into the tribe. We got enough crazy in the tribe. I do not need Carol Baskin and the Tiger Queen in the same tribe as me. The zoo, formerly owned by Tiger Queen star Joe Exotic, and now controlled by his nemesis Carol Baskin was vandalized with graffiti and trashed with rotting meat and garbage, according to a report. Who does that, white boy Malcolm X? He was like, I'm going to go vandalize something, and I'm going to go get me some rotted, festering meat with maggots, and I'm going to just trash the place with rotted, of all things to trash a place with, rotted meat is like on the, the bottom of my list. Baskin is accusing Exotic's business partner, Jeff Lowe, for the damage. Lowe has denied any wrongdoing. You think of all people she would know about being accused of something without evidence, he told TMZ, referring to accusations that Baskin fed her own husband to her tigers. Photos obtained by the gossip site show graffiti spray-painted on different buildings inside the zoo in Oklahoma. Another Oklahoma story. In one photo, listen to this white boy Malcolm X, Baskin is standing in front of a building with the phrase, Carol Baskin takes it up the butt from Donald Trump, spray-painted on the wall. So leftists, clearly. One of the three leftists in Oklahoma is out there trashing that place. In another shot, Carol and Don Lewis sitting in a tree murdering first was written on a wall of another building. Baskin has strongly denied that she killed her husband Don and fed him to tigers. So there's that. A lot of crazy going on in Oklahoma. Are we going back to Florida yet? No, we are not going back to Florida yet. We are going to... This is from South Wales in England. We have it, actually, folks. We do have quite a few people downloading our podcast in England so they guess they like it hopefully <laughs> that are like what the hell are those Americans up to this is from the sun shocked teenager gives birth in hospital toilet after having no idea she was pregnant and on the face of it white boy Malcolm X do you believe this chick had no idea that she was pregnant I don't believe I and this is not the first time we've had this story not us but I mean this is the first time I've read this this kind of story that the woman's like pops out of baby she's like shazam i had no idea there was something in there i just don't believe her i'm sorry i mean the baby's not kicking she's not getting cravings for pickles and ice cream (laughs) that's just a strange story but listen to this let's dig in and see how nutty this is dion seaborn 18 went to a and e with a sore back and was waiting for tests she popped to the loo and amazingly gave birth to a perfectly healthy daughter lily may dion said I had to shout for a nurse to help because I couldn't reach the emergency button. And at this point, 
Lily Mae was in the toilet. So she's in there taking a dump. <laughs> and her baby pops out, goes in the toilet, and the baby and the poop and the whatever's in there. And she's just like screaming for a nurse. I found it terrifying. I've never been so scared in my life. <laughs> you imagine the baby, the first thing it gets to see is her ass crack and a bunch of poop. Dion of Griffithstown, South Wales, immediately rang partner Callum Morris, 18, with the news. So a couple of teenagers doing the dirty. She said, he was so surprised he went to wake up his mom to tell her it was 4 a.m. He came down to the hospital to bring me some clothes and things, and that's when he met Lily May for the first time. Hopefully cleaned up from the toilet. The new mom sees she had no idea, adding, I didn't feel any different. I hadn't put on weight. In fact, everyone was telling me I'd lost some weight. Look at her. I mean, she's a big girl, don't get me wrong, but mercy. And a baby and liar. She just didn't want anyone to know she was doing the nasty with her boyfriend. Okay, folks, we're back in Florida. This is a smoking gun article. And here's the headline. Nixed threesome ends with man in handcuffs, but not the furry kind. A defendant who threw two naked women out of his Florida home during a 2 a.m. altercation yesterday told police that the victims attacked him after he declined to engage in a sexual threesome according to criminal complaints. Which also, folks, is probably the first time a heterosexual man turned down a threesome. Responding to a 911 call about a disturbance at a Clearwater apartment building, cops interviewed, good God, these names, and I'm going to butcher them, uh, so I'm just warning in advance, Siraya Rasenbath, 27, Angelique Pavilek, 28, about an encounter with Rasambath's husband that allegedly turned violent. According to arrest affidavits, Pavlek went to Rasambath's home to hang out and drink. I bet you did. While at the apartment, Pavlek said they had planned sexual arrangements with her friend's husband, Calvin Rasambath, 33. But before a threesome ensued, a verbal argument began, Pavlek reported, over the way Calvin was treating his wife. As the dispute escalated, Calvin allegedly choked both naked women before throwing them out of the residence. So they're naked already, and then they get into an argument. And unlike the story we had with the wannabe lesbian, she had a machete in one hand getting at the husband, and the uh, potential uh, partner, she got her neck in her hand. This guy, Calvin here, has got, you know, a neck in each hand, (laughs) choking him. Serrata told cops that the attack occurred during a planned sexual arrangement. After being read his rights, Calvin claimed that the women wanted to have sex with him, but he did not want to, prompting them to attack him. So his story is they wanted it so bad that they went after him and that he was able to get able to get free of them and call law enforcement. And of course, since it's in Florida, this guy's got an arrest record. Calvin has previously been convicted of trespass and burglary for which he spent time in state prison. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to sleep with women anymore. He had a really good time in state prison. He is pictured above, flanked by Pavlek and Soraya. Look at these three classy folks, white boy Malcolm X. I'm not repeating that. All right, last two stories, and then we are done. Another exciting week. This is from Fox News. School tells girls not to show knees because it distracts male staff. So yes, apparently... Even the men like to get to do the students. Parents and students at an Irish preparatory school are blasting administrators after female students were told not to wear tight clothing that could distract staff members. 
Last week, female students at Presentation College Carlo in Carlo, 53 miles south of Dublin, reportedly were told at an assembly not to wear revealing clothing, including tracksuit bottoms and gym leggings. A petition called the policy sexist and noted that male students' attire was not discussed. Because, let's face it, folks, because those female teachers, whatever those teenage boys are wearing to school, they don't want that changed because that's what's making them all horny for them. Today, all the girls from each year at Presentation College Carlo were called out by their yearhead Dean of Discipline and were told that they were not allowed to wear leggings or tight bottoms for P.E. as they cannot show off the female anatomy as it is distracting to the female and male staff of the school, not the students, the petition description says. Apparently, there are lesbians there. Lesbian teachers are looking at the chicks too. This is appalling. Majority of students are 12 to 18 years old and should not feel sexualized by their teachers who they are meant to feel safe around. It continues. I don't know what they're thinking, but they are clearly not looking at the U.S. where every single week we got a a fresh story or two about some, some teacher banging or some high school stud. One student's mother said her daughter was told by school officials that no ankles, no knees, no collarbones were not allowed to show any skin ever, basically. Another told local media outlets that adult male teachers should not be distracted by young girls in the first place. If these so-called male teachers can get distracted by 12 to 18-year-old girls, they should not be teaching, she said. We are trying to bring our children up in a way that they are not ashamed of their bodies. We are trying to teach our young men that just because she wears this doesn't mean she wants that. So there you go, folks. In Ireland, they're telling the girls to keep it keep it Puritan. <laughs> Everyone's getting horny over them if they're not. And this is our last story. And since we had that about the Irish not wanting, I guess, lesbians and men to get hot over teenage girls in tights, we have to, of course, have another story about a teacher banging a student or two here in the U.S. Ex-Texas teacher gets 20 years for sexually assaulting teen couple. So she went after a few of them at once. 20 years. Damn. Half these teachers get like probation or a year or two. They don't get they don't get anywhere near two decades. Damn. A former Texas teacher was sentenced to 20 years in the slammer after admitting to sexually assaulting a 14-year-old boy and his 13-year-old girlfriend. So she is clearly, depending on her social status, she's either bisexual or pansexual. Letitia Lowry, 40, pled guilty last week to charges of second-degree sexual assault of a child and first-degree sexual performance by a child, according to Montgomery County District Attorney's Office. Lowry preyed on our community's most vulnerable. She violated children to satisfy her own selfish desires, Assistant DA Laura Bond said in a statement, adding the lengthy sentence reflects this community's intolerance for child sexual offenders. Well, I'm not sure she's the only pervert teacher in the school. You better go check. The teacher's depravity came to light after the teenage boy's mother found text messages between her son and Lowry that were sexual in nature, according to court documents obtained by local outlet KTRK-TV. When confronted with the messages, the teen allegedly admitted that he'd had sex with Lowry in November 2019 at her home. In a separate incident, Lowry was accused of ordering the 13-year-old girl to perform oral sex on the boy in a van while she watched. Damn! White boy Malcolm X. Holy crap. That is one kinky trick. I'm sure the boy was like, yeah, sure, I'll take a blowjob. And girl was like, well, okay, I don't mind. But a creepy teacher watching the two of them. Ugh. 
The sicko, who had worked for several years as a teacher and private tutor in Montgomery County, was arrested on November 6, 2019. At the time, because <laughs> I guess this is not enough for this one. This is one of those teachers. She goes at it. You know, she's one of these go big or go home types. Like that, what was that teacher? She did that boy nonstop. I don't know when he had time to study and she had time to teach because those, those two were at it like rabbits. But listen to this. She had been out on bond from nearby Harris County. So she moved counties to get more, more teen action. On charges, she allegedly solicited a 15-year-old boy online for sex. Man, oh man. So this one, folks. Man, oh man. She, I think White Boy Malcolm, she's probably our perviest teacher predator. <laughs> she's doing the boy, and then she's making the girl do the boy. And then she's like going after some other boy online. Okay, on that note, I got nothing. I'm done. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for, for tuning into today's podcast. Hey, I hope you had a, a great Thanksgiving. Remember, you can reach me on, on Twitter, uh, at Miller Frost Show. That's my handle, or via email, Miller MillerMillerFrostOnline.com. So have a great um, start to your, your long week. It always sucks to kind of go back into a week after having you know a couple of days off the week before. But have a great start to your week. We will be back here um, next Sunday, so we look forward to, to having you join us then. Take care. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Wait a minute! I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.